Welcome to the next in a series of Ask a Chair podcasts brought to you by SAEM Rams. Hello again, everyone. We are here with Dr. Michael Brown. He is the chairman at Michigan State. He's also the senior editor for the Cochrane Database for Acute and Emergency Care. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for agreeing to join us this afternoon. It's a pleasure. Welcome to Puerto Rico. Great. Well, let's jump into some of the questions that we have prepared for you. When you volunteered to participate in the Rams podcast, the Ask a Chair series, you mentioned an interest in medical student education, and that is one of our major target audiences, medical students and residents. What do you foresee as the biggest educational opportunities for emergency medicine? Well, this is a topic I'm very passionate about, and emergency medicine has a unique opportunity in the House of Medicine to provide all medical students with exposure to the undifferentiated patient and provides an outstanding opportunity for students to develop a focused differential diagnosis, develop a coherent approach to diagnostic testing, and you know hopefully learn something about emergent and urgent therapies. But my excitement is that at Michigan State College of Human Medicine, we were able to recently integrate emergency medicine into the second year of the curriculum. And in this way, we capture 100% of the student body, so you don't have to do an elective. You still may choose to do an elective down the road, but every student will be exposed to the emergency medicine environment. That's excellent. Now looking at emergency medicine as the entire field, what do you think are some of the most exciting trends in our field today? We hear a lot about some of the negative aspects, such as the boarding crisis, but what are some of the exciting things that you see coming up? I think, you know, on the five to 10 year horizon, it's just a place where many of these time sensitive conditions are going to be treated and there just seems to be advancing at a very rapid Mm -hmm. pace. So I think the field of emergency medicine is obviously critical to that type of care. And it's a bridge between the pre-hospital environment where emergency physicians are engaged in directing care and doing research, care in the ED itself, as well as the continuing care and continuity to the ICU. And I think that's very exciting. There's just so many interesting treatments such as ECMO for, you know, cardiac Mm -hmm. arrest patients, managing the endovascular interventions that are becoming more commonplace. And I think those are pretty exciting opportunities for emergency physicians to see how they can actually, you know, impact a person's quality of life if we can get to them soon enough with some of these cutting edge interventions. Excellent. A theme that I've seen in a lot of these conversations is how we in emergency medicine truly work with all the different aspects of the health system and we are an intersection between all of the different specialties and how we can use that to our advantage as we grow within the house of medicine as a whole. Do you have any thoughts about that? I do. You know, I've seen that, been witness to so many of my colleagues over the years that have taken on leadership roles in hospital systems because of that exposure we have to, like you say, all the different disciplines. And we sort of understand the orthopedic issues. We, we understand the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And so I think many 
emergency physicians uh, taken advantage of that if they had an inclination towards, you know, hospital administration. And, mm-hmm. and we'll get to, I think, some of those issues later, but it provides them variety in their career and mm-hmm. emergency medicine definitely has variety. Indeed. You serve as the senior editor for acute and emergency care for the Cochrane database. How did you discover that you were interested in this type of work, and what advice would you have for medical students and residents who think that they may be interested in translating research into practice? This opportunity came up just in the last year. I applied about February last year for this position that had opened up, and it was due to uh, Cochrane restructuring, trying to get a hold of it had become too sprawling of a volunteer organization and unwieldy. And so they had to refocus their efforts and build a strategic plan. And part of that plan was to develop networks. So I'm, as you mentioned, I'm the senior author for the acute and emergency care network. And that network oversees a handful of what they call review groups that actually create the Cochrane reviews. Mm. So it's been really exciting because it's a worldwide collaboration. So I have been able to work with people from many from Europe, actually, you know, across the globe. Just recently had a conversation with the WHO, emergency medicine section of the WHO. And so Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of action in this area. Your question, I guess getting to your question was, how can a resident get engaged Mm -hmm. in such activity. And I think if you're really interested in applying research to practice Mm -hmm. as opposed to doing research, and that's my world, I've never considered myself a serious primary researcher. I've Mm -hmm. always been interested from the beginning in how do we translate all this research that's being produced and, and get it into practice sooner and maybe more consistently applied. And I think residents in particular have a unique opportunity in their own environment. So at your own hospital, if you have a chance to work on clinical pathways, let's say, in the emergency department, I think that's a first step because that requires you to first do a critical appraisal of the evidence, what's out there to support the intervention or approach you want to implement. And then once you understand the evidence base, whether that's through you know, a literature search, systematic reviews, or guidelines, you have to appreciate the strength or lack of strength in that evidence. And then you have to deal with some of the, quote, knowledge translation or implementation science issues, which you have to do an environmental scan in your particular context and see what are the barriers to getting this particular form of research into practice? What are the facilitators? And so there's a whole science around that type of work. And that's a great way. Of course, other ways, if someone's really keen on engaging this type of work, there's the fellowship opportunities through Mm -hmm. the annals uh, has a fellowship for working with the journal. And similarly, The American College of Emergency Physicians Clinical Policies Committee typically take on a resident fellow, and Mm -hmm. those individuals frequently continue to work on the development of clinical guidelines for a specialty once they finish their residency. Mm -hmm. So there are some unique opportunities Mm -hmm. out there. Another opportunity would be to engage with reviews for Cochrane or Mm -hmm. other forms of systematic reviews. Excellent. 
Another role, you are the president-elect for the Association of Academic Chairs of Emergency Medicine, the meeting that we're at now. What advice do you have for residents or medical students that are interested in getting involved in emergency medicine leadership on the national stage? It's one thing to take a role within your institution, but how do you make a name for yourself or get out onto the broader stage of emergency medicine? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. I'm sure you would get different answers from different chairs. Um, I never envisioned myself being engaged at the national level at the stage of you know being a resident, but things developed over time. So my approach was to follow my passion. And everyone, that's kind of a cliche, but mm-hmm. I actually had to do a little circuitous route because first I was so tired of just the intensity of medical school and residency. And I took what I did very seriously, so Mm -hmm. I worked hard at it. And I needed a break. And so the first few years out, I didn't even know I was going to pursue academics. I just wanted to be a really good emergency physician, and and I enjoyed that. But then just a few years out, I realized I missed teaching. And so, again, that was like an inclination. Hey, maybe that's my passion. And as I gradually got back into the teaching mode, uh, first GME and things. I really enjoyed Journal Club, for instance. So then I pursued that passion and ended up going back to school to get a master's in epidemiology because Mm -hmm. I felt inadequate in my ability to appraise uh, the literature Mm -hmm. and things just kept building. So that's the pathway. I think you need to try different things. So if you don't try them, you won't find out what you don't like. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting for me. You know, for instance, I, I did engage with the Michigan chapter of emergency physicians and uh, I tried political side. Uh, I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Well, I found out pretty quickly that wasn't really my thing. And so there are some dead ends and that's okay. It's I don't think you should consider that wasted time if you get onto a committee or volunteer for something that you end up maybe not loving, it's okay because that redirects you to something, a pathway that you'll find more satisfying ultimately. The other thing I guess I would say is as you try these different committees at the state, regional, national level, the networking component for me has been key because the friends I've made over the years and those relationships have lasted for my entire career and that type of working with your colleagues that have a similar interest, it just boosts both of your careers, Mm -hmm. and it's just really enjoyable. We've talked about several of the leadership roles that you have, both at your institution and on the national stage, and so now I'm curious, what advice do you have for medical students and residents regarding what they can do to defend against burnout and prevent things such as early retirement age? This is currently a very hot topic. And so I'm curious to hear what you have to say on the matter. Yeah, well, it relates to the last question in a way because you need to pace yourself. Mm. And I'm a big advocate of that. I'm still continuing to look for new ways to learn, but it's all about pace. It's not a sprint. I like to think of it as a long walk, not a marathon, because (laughs) a marathon sounds like agony to me. I like that a lot. (laughs) But I really think that's important because you want to have – Time to do those things that are important for wellness Mm -hmm. and mental health is critical as well as physical. And that allows you to really put 
effort, 100% effort into those passions we talked about. So I think pace is important, but also novelty, at least for me. I think that's what attracted me to emergency medicine. I knew I needed variety and novelty Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm And so uh, that's been a source of inspiration and rejuvenation when times get hard. Even after 30 years of doing clinical emergency medicine, I find myself really excited about seeing a new presentation mm-hmm. of something I haven't you know, encountered, for instance. Similarly, in my academic life, I do seek out new challenges, just like the Cochrane opportunity came up and I wanted to learn something new, and that's been a challenge for me, but I like those mental challenges, and I think that's a form of avoiding burnout, at least Mm -hmm. for me, because I think doing the same thing over and over again, no matter what profession you're in, whether it's another discipline in medicine or an attorney, you know, the mind gets dull, and I think that breeds burnout as much Mm -hmm. as there's fine balance. Mm -hmm. So the only other thing I was going to say about burnout is... I chose academic path. It wasn't my initial plan, but mm-hmm. I found that worked for me. And I do think that's an example of how variety can sort of guard against that burnout because uh, there was just a recent AAMC survey. And, you know, most academic physicians are engaged in some form in teaching, scholarship, and administration. So right there, your job description, you have three jobs within it. Mm -hmm. It provides you unique opportunities to get engaged in certain parts of that in different proportions, let's say, that you find inspiring. And this is the most exciting piece of news I, I might have is that recent survey showed that emergency medicine isn't number one in terms of burnout. In fact, in this particular uh, most recent survey, we were fifth among clinical disciplines. So it's nothing, I guess, to cheer about. Uh, There's still burnout. About 11% in academic emergency medicine still reported feelings of Mm -hmm. burnout. But that's much lower than some of the figures you hear. It is, yeah. And it was interesting to see, you know, at least four other disciplines reporting higher levels of burnout. Excellent. Well, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I know that the residents and medical students enjoy hearing what you have to say. So thank you. Fantastic. Thank you.